The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine Bills-related podcasts. We are so thrilled that you've taken the time to download, to listen to us, and to check out the thoughts of one John Boccasino and one Jamie D'Amico here on Believe. Jamie, good morning, buddy. Buddy, it is a glorious, glorious fall weekend. It's a perfect weekend for Buffalo Bills football. Man, I tell you, I wish the Bills had a home game this Sunday. Uh, It was, we had a glorious day at the stadium Sunday night for the victory over the Packers. And then you start looking ahead to next week's forecast for the Browns. And it's going to be like 41 with a chance of snow. These are the precious, cherished days we have here of 70 degree days in early November in upstate Western New York. So Good to have you back talking Bills football, and uh, we're glad to get the band back together. It's been a minute. It has been. You know, I was on the injured list. You were on the injured list. I'm about to put myself back on the injured list, actually. Check this out. For the first time in my life, I am playing paintball today. Whoa. Yeah. It's my buddy's birthday. He's turning 40-something. And when I told another friend who invited me to a beer festival today, I'm like, oh, I can't. I'm going and playing paintball with my friend for his birthday. Her response was, what is he, turning 14? (laughs) (laughs) So you know what's going to happen today? We are going to get destroyed by teenagers who are also ringers. And I'm not looking forward to this at all. Oh, so it's not like just amongst your friends. You have to play with the masses. Yeah. Teenagers are ruthless, by the way, when it comes to their aggression and wanting to you know, be vindictive. That's why if I were to do paintball, I'd want to find just my group of friends and rent out a facility because I here's my thoughts on paintball. Not that you asked for it, but I'm going to give it. I've played it a couple of times before. I really like it. I almost feel like paintball is the only legal way that adults can take out their frustrations on another without risking going to jail. I mean, you're literally able to fire a weapon at someone and inflict a little bit of, you know, psychological damage by 
knocking them off with a paintball gun. <laughs> I feel like maybe in Florida or Texas you could. Don't they have stand your ground laws? You could just go down there and be like, he's coming right for me and shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I got family in Florida and I'm sure they would uh, second that crazy notion of the, the stand your ground laws. But I thought, I don't know, I thought, and, and the reason I, I talk about that, um, just because you mentioned paintball too, but I want to give a major, major shout out to Eric Wood for making the time. Uh, he actually stopped by last week uh, on our Believe podcast, and we had a conversation about his new book, Tackle What's Next. And we talked a little bit about that whole football is the only, you know, you're allowed to physically hit and injure and like go after guys with aggression. And Eric had had the famous comment when he was a rookie. He was like, yeah, you know, if I do what I do on the football field in real life, I'd be in jail. But here it's it's encouraged. It's not frowned upon. So we had a really fun conversation talking about transitioning from football to broadcast booth and dealing with anxiety over, you know, how to handle that transition. And you've played football your whole life. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, what do I do? I've got this debilitating spinal injury that is keeping me from playing the game I love. Eric was awesome to chat with. And I encourage our listeners to go back and check it out if you haven't heard it already on the Bill Eve podcast with former center Eric Wood, now turned the current radio broadcaster Ugh. for the Buffalo Bills. Jamie, you you were missed, but it was fun bringing on Eric Wood last week. I, I was going to bring that up, actually. Is the only way you could replace my presence by bringing in a Buffalo Bills legend? I mean, is it, <laughs> are the shoes that big? <laughs> buddy you you are you are no easy person to replicate you are no easy person to uh replace when it comes to their their skills but um eric's publicist had reached out to me a couple of weeks ago and it just so happened that we recorded the episode on a friday and jamie had some personal stuff to attend to so we managed to slot in his interview and it is all good <laughs> i was wondering how that happened so the publicist got it there, there's a bunch of these, you know, I don't know. It's, it's funny how, you know, you, you do something in our line of work uh, and, and people get a hold of you. But, you know, this was it was really cool. I got to say, Eric was a genuinely chill guy. Uh, we're going to have him on down the road again. He was he said he was more than happy to come back and uh, and chat Bill's football and just kind of relive some of the cool memories uh, with Eric Wood. But, Jamie, you are irreplaceable, buddy. So I'm glad that you're back in the air chair here and we have ourselves Quite the matchup to break down here on, on Believe, the Buffalo Bills, and the they were resurgent, but then they kind of got put in their place last week by the underwhelming New England Patriots. You got the New York Jets at five and three. What is Jamie's take on the Jets and, and how dangerous of a team you know they are coming up on Sunday? My take on the Jets is that this team was ahead of schedule and now has so many injuries to key players that they're just not the team that they were at the beginning of the year. I, I'm glad that the Bills are playing them now and not a month ago. Because a month ago, that was a team that could run the ball, that was a team that could play defense, and continues to be well coached with a lot of talent at their skill positions. Not superstars but very good players at the skill positions. I think that one of the, and, and you're right, Jamie, timing is everything. And the bills are banged up too. I mean, they got some good, I mean, there, there's bad news with all pro safety, Jordan Poyer being out, but there's good news in Von Miller uh, has no injury designation uh, after 
a surprise ankle uh, status that kept him out Wednesday and Thursday. So the Bills will at least have Von Miller back. But all teams are banged up uh, this time of the year. Well, but yes, I feel like we can say all teams are banged up, and they are. However, the Jets have at one point been without their top four offensive tackles, their best offensive lineman in Elijah Vera Tucker, the person who was carrying their entire offense, rookie Brees Hall. I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> Those are substantial injuries. And I, and I was going to say that, um, yeah, Mackay Becton uh, being out, yeah. um, you know, the, the, the Jets are missing a ton of their offensive line members, which is kind of why Zach Wilson, I mean, he has not done well against pressure uh, to begin with in his young right. NFL career. And that's made only worse. That issue is compounded by losing those four offensive linemen. And he really, I, I'm I'm sorry, they're the Jets. I don't root for them. But man, that kid Brees Hall was fun to watch. Oh, so Just quick, his electric so playmaking. That That's exactly what the Bills hope, I think, James Cook can turn into. Um, and, and the fact that, Hall was taken much earlier in the draft goes to show, um, you know, his, his pedigree and, and he's, he reached that potential quickly. And then unfortunately had the, uh, the ACL injury, which you knew it as soon as you saw that play, it's like, crap, there's the ACL. And we don't root for injuries here. I, 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 I think Brees Hall is an electric dynamic running back and he will be sorely missed by uh, Zach Wilson, but it's easier for the bills uh, to to take on this Jets squad with Michael Carter and James Robinson filling the running back uh, productivity role that Hall had taken on. But you're right, Jamie. The Jets, I think, when they got off to that 5-2 and two start, it was all about arriving earlier on the scene than expected. Mm-hmm. Um, they they were definitely and, – and you look at it too. I mean, they're doing it with – the wide receivers are young and exciting, but – they're young, right. you know, uh, you know, the they're they're missing Corey Davis. I know uh, coming up for the game uh, on Sunday. Um, he is one of their uh, key playmakers um, on the offensive side as a wide receiver that they're going to be missing. Um, Brees Hall, obviously, we mentioned uh, him being out there. You know, there's a ton of these weapons that Zach Wilson is just doing without but Garrett Wilson is one of those guys to me that I feel um, is is an emerging threat mm-hmm. for the Jets at wide receiver. And I think that he's going to get looked at quite a lot on Sunday, especially with, you know, Poyer being out. We're not quite sure. We still don't have clarification, I don't believe, um, if Trey White is actually going to play uh, or not versus the Jets. I think that's a key factor to watch is the Wilson to Wilson connection, Zach to Garrett, because Garrett had a really solid game against the Patriots at a losing effort. And he's probably their prohibitive top wide out now uh, with the lack of productivity that they're getting from everybody else and slash the injuries factored in too. So Garrett Wilson, I think is the type of player where it's a matter of time that he's going to start getting more looks. And with Corey Davis out, that makes him the number one receiver. So you can expect to see an increase in targets. Um, but Last week against the the Patriots, like you said, he had seven targets, hauled in six of them for 115 yards. That's almost 20 yards per reception. He had a 54-yarder in there. Like, this is a guy that can run. And what is happening in the AFC East? They are building their offenses around speed because everybody saw what you have to do to beat the Bills is what the Chiefs did 
they had guys who could fly, who could run faster than the Bills' defense. And the Jets, the Dolphins, they saw it, and that's what they're building right now. So this is a guy that's going to be a threat going forward. Now, a dude that I'm also paying attention to, Tyler Conklin, the the tight end. I think they're going to be looking at him quite a bit as well. Luckily, now this, and I'm glad you brought up uh, Conklin and the tight end position in general, because normally I don't get too worried about the Bills and their abilities to contain Mm -hmm. uh, tight ends. Agreed. Buffalo has done a very, very good job in limiting the tight end position. But the oblique injury that Matt Milano is dealing with, uh, I believe he has a questionable designation for Sunday's game uh, taken on the Jets. That is a game changer if Milano is not at 100% because Conklin is a big, imposing, physical tight end. And his numbers aren't going to pop off the screen at you when it comes to what he's able to do uh, receiving-wise. But he's a very solid run blocker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he caught six passes for 79 yards against the Patriots. Before that, he was held to – he had an eight-catch game against the Bengals, but in between there was a bunch of three- and four-catch outings. But the Jets feel comfortable with Conklin running downfield, running the seam patterns, and and being a weapon, a safety valve – over the middle of the field for Zach Wilson. That's why I'm very curious to see Matt Milano, how he looks in pregame and whether that the oblique injury can be extremely pesky. It can linger. And I feel much like with Jordan Poyer being ruled out for this game with the elbow injury, the bills have to weigh the fact that yes, they got to start stacking wins in the division, but they can't push guys out there to the point where they might re injure some of these nagging injuries. Uh, agreed. And I think that what you're seeing is the Bills are being a little bit more careful than I believe we've seen them in the past with injured players. The Bills have a history of having a guy who's injured, putting him back on the field, and then they re-injure themselves. It happened earlier this year with Gabe Davis. It, it seems yep. to be something that the staff does. Well, they're keeping players out a little bit longer because I think they understand they're going to fall ass backward into the playoffs. It's There's no way you can keep a team with this amount of talent out of the playoffs. They're aligning themselves to peak at the right time, and I love it. And back to what you were saying, uh, an oblique is part of your core. Core injuries are terrible because everything you do hurts. One time I um, separated cartilage from one of my ribs. I think I did it because I coughed too hard or something like that. You know, a real masculine injury. (laughs) And literally everything you do hurts. You put on your pants, it hurts. You tie your shoes, it hurts. You sneeze, oh, it's agonizing. You reach up above your head, it hurts. Like, no matter how you move, your core is engaging, and it freaking hurts. So, okay. They have the miracles of modern medicine that can work for them. But one of the hallmarks of any type of muscle injury is weakness. Even if it's not hurting you, it's not going to be as strong as it normally would. And you go and rush yourself out on the field, say you get shot up with some sort of painkiller. Well, your other muscles are going to try to compensate for it. Now you're opening yourself up to other types of injuries. So I want Matt Milano to be... A-OK if they're putting him on the field because, let's face it, 
he appears to be the best player on defense this year, doesn't he? He's everywhere on that field. Yeah, he he would be a crippling loss uh, to lose for a prolonged period of time. And I would much rather the Bills be cautious with their star linebacker, Matt Milano, versus rushing uh, him out if he's not ready to play on Sunday. And, And that's a really good transition, Jamie, into another Bill who is looking to make his season debut uh, and and the jury's still out as to how much he is going to play on Sunday. When you talk about Garrett Wilson and the the threat that he poses as a speedy wide receiver, I'm really not sure uh, whether it's going to be Kyer Elam or Trey White if this is the week that Trey White makes his return. And here's why, if I'm Sean McDermott, if I'm Brandon Bean, I exercise a ton of caution with Trey White, besides the fact that it's taken him 11 long months now to work his way back from that ACL tear MetLife stadium mm-hmm. has more of a pronounced turf monster factor than any other place in the league. It feels like there are these fluky injuries that take place uh, because of the crappy turf that is in place at MetLife stadium. And I feel like Jamie above all else with how Kair Elam and Christian Benford and Dane Jackson have handled themselves This is not the week to mess around with Trey White going out there, especially given how suspect that turf is. I agree 100% with that. 100%. The last thing you want to do is rush somebody back. And we're looking at it. It's been almost a full year since we've seen Trey White on the field. What's one more week? Keep the guy healthy in, in a place where you know people are going to get injured. And let's be... 100% honest. Corey Davis is their number one receiver. He's out. Elijah Moore is a good receiver. That's bumping him up to the number two position. Number three is Denzel Mims. He doesn't scare anyone. Braxton Berrios, don't care. So if they're without their number one receiver, the Bills can be without their number one corner. Because like you said, Dane Jackson and the pair of rookies they're just fine. And what better way of getting yourself ready for late season matchups than getting your rookies just a little bit more experience out there? It's it To me, it's a win-win. You're protecting your asset and you're giving the young guys experience. It's exactly what you want, right? Absolutely. And, and that way, if you hold him out um, versus the Jets, because again, there's not really a pressing need for your top cornerback against a team that's missing a talented playmaker in Brees Hall, and that doesn't really light the world on fire with the passing game. Save Trey White for next week when the Bills host the Minnesota Vikings at home. Mm-hmm. You know what the turf is like at Highmark Stadium. You got home games the next two weeks. I'm all for Brandon Bean. We know you're listening. Don't play Trey White on Sunday. The turf monster at MetLife Stadium is undefeated. We don't want to lose Trey for a prolonged period, especially given I encourage all fans to read the stories out there. Uh, the Buffalo News had a great piece on him. New York Upstate, Matt Perino had a great piece on just the emotional roller coaster that Trey White has gone through trying to come back from injury. The last thing you want to do is have the crown jewel of your defense. You're already without Micah Hyde for the year and Jordan Poyer's banged up with this nagging elbow injury. The last thing you want to do is have Trey come back and hurt himself. So hold him out, bring him back for the Vikings game, and we will get plenty of reps to see what Trey can do coming back from that ACL tear. So side note, here's a concern that I have. When a player misses this much time, 
it is so common for them to have soft tissue injuries when they come back. I really want yes. to limit the guy's reps because it's just, you see it every year with dudes that miss training camp. Like by the second week of the season, they're out with, with, with a hamstring or a groin or something like that. I think a parallel, Jamie, and I'm going to give a lot of credit to uh, Joe Biscalia from The Athletic, but he talked about the comp to Milano in 2020 coming back from his injury where the Bills used him as a rotational player rather than an every snap starter and it w- for the first three games back. And then it wasn't until game four that Milano was an every down linebacker. I'm sure you'll see the Bills take a similar approach with Trey White when it comes to not rushing him back into their lineup. Making the transition from rushing to running attacks, and uh, I want to talk about the Bills' run defense because that came under quite a lot of criticism for how they performed in the second half against the Packers, letting Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon run wild over the run defense. Although part of my defense for Buffalo's porous run defense was Bills were up by 17, the clock was ticking, and they were thinking, okay, if you want to run and run and run and bleed that clock down, you're not going to catch us. The Bills were going to win that game, you know, regardless of how much time was on that clock. But with the Jets coming into town, no Brees Hall, but they have James Robinson, who's a very capable runner, and Michael Carter, who is both a capable runner and pass catcher out of the backfield. Are you worried about the Bills' run defense that had played so well over the first seven weeks of the season? Or do you think that the Packers game was an aberration? And again, they weren't that concerned because the bottom line is you want to get the W. Well, I think that it it worries me a little bit because I feel like two things happened that caused the Bills to not play well against the run when the Packers were on the field. So here's what it is. Two things happened. Number one, the Bills had players that were physically dominated that had not been physically dominated in games prior. I'm looking at you, Daquan Jones. For the first time this year, he was getting blocked one-on-one and getting pushed off of his spot. Normally, that guy's taking on two blockers and isn't giving ground at all. Ed Oliver, physically dominated at times. They were able to open up rushing lanes because of that. Now, can you put your best on our best and blow us off the ball? Maybe, maybe not. So can the Jets do that? I feel like with the offensive line they're bringing in, I, I'm not concerned about it. But the other thing that was put on tape is that the Packers were doing a lot of misdirections and it was causing the Bills defensive linemen and linebackers to hesitate before committing to what direction they were going. That was very successful against the Bills. And it does concern me that team saw that and said, aha, we can make these guys think instead of react and plan on seeing a lot of that the rest of the season until the Bills prove that they can get out of their heads and just go where the ball is. Flow to the ball is the name of the game. I think those are valid points, Jamie. The one counter I want to make is what is one defense that is most vulnerable against getting gashed by the run game? The nickel. The Bills were not going to come out of their nickel. They played nickel the entire game 
Taron Johnson was on the field for all 66 defensive snaps, primarily as the nickel personnel. So, uh, yes, you're right that Tim Settle got pushed around. Daquan Jones got pushed around. The Packers own the line of scrimmage. But I'll cut the Bills a bit of slack because the Bills were basically okay with giving up the yards on the ground to sacrifice the clock effect. And the nickel is more vulnerable to be run on than, say, your base 4-3 defense that the Bills uh, like to operate in. So that's my one, I guess, way to justify or take it off the Bills that I'm not as worried about the run defense. But if it happens on Sunday, the suddenly number one run defense that was uh, getting gashed by Michael Carter and James Robinson, then it's a different story because then two times in a row is a trend versus a one-off like I think we saw with the Packers on Sunday Night Football. And also I feel like the Jets are going to really struggle to run the ball given their banged-up offensive line. And given the fact, Jamie, too, that you know we gave a lot of shit to Sam Darnold when he had the comment that he was seeing ghosts out on the field against the New England Patriots during his rookie year. Zach Wilson is approaching that level where he seems very skittish, very uncomfortable and rattled uh, in, in the pocket. And I feel like Jamie, that to me is a major matchup advantage for Buffalo, which has a hungry defensive line that has been getting after the quarterback like no Bills team has in the last 10 years or so. This is a bad matchup for Zach Wilson. This is terrible because the Bills can get to him with only four guys rushing the quarterback and seven dudes in coverage. That is something that he hasn't dealt with too much. He is far more comfortable hunting Cougar than he is standing in the pocket and having, you know, big defensive linemen coming at him. <laughs> I love it. I love that reference there. Uh, you know, obviously our, our, our astute listeners will know exactly what we are talking about when it comes to it. And uh, really, Jamie, it, it is not it has not been a good year uh, for Zach Wilson. He is struggling with pressure. Um, he is struggling identifying, finding open receivers. Um, the Bills should be able to rattle his cage and get after him uh, aggressively, especially with Von Miller being a healthy participant. And the fact of the matter is, the Bills, if the Bills don't have to blitz anyone outside of their front four to make Patrick Mahomes feel unnerved, what is going to happen with Zach Wilson on Sunday? Because the Bills don't have to bring the pressure. The Bills have the lowest blitz rate in the league and they still generate one of the highest pressure rates they're getting after the quarterback 35.4 percent of the time without <laughs> bringing an extra blitzer that is absurd that that is absolutely insane and when you consider that their percentage of blitzing is under double digits are you kidding me this is this is what brandon bean always wanted when he was putting together his defensive line, he wanted to be able to bring in waves of dudes that could get to the quarterback. And that's exactly what you've got. And oh, by the way, this is going to extend Von Miller's career because he's he's only on the field for, what, 55% of the snaps typically? Yeah, that's the perfect formula for, for like you said, for, for Brandon Bean and the defensive line to get wave after wave. You got guys like Von Miller. Greg Rousseau's had a really fantastic yes. uh, run this year. Um, AJ Epinesa, Ed Oliver, Jordan Phillips, Shaq Lawson. I mean, there's so many guys that the Bills can turn to um, and get after the quarterback. And then you factor in the weaknesses on the offensive line. You know, there's going to be mismatches up and down 
this offensive line. Wilson's blindside protector, Dwayne Brown, has far underachieved given what the Jets were hoping for when they brought him in. The middle of that offensive line is just porous with Lakin Tomlinson, uh, Nate Herbig, and right tackle Cedric Ogubue. They are really vulnerable uh, to Buffalo getting after them. It, it all adds up to a long day for this Jets offense. And I read a stat somewhere that in the Jets' five wins, they scored 26.7 points per game. In their three losses, they're at 12.7. I don't see the Jets getting up in... I mean, if the Jets score two touchdowns on Sunday, I will be surprised just because of how well Buffalo's defense seems to line up to really contain and take away from Zach Wilson and their offense. Well, now I've got a question for you. Uh, I think Jets coach Robert Sala is... I think he's a good coach. Um, I think that the... I think the Jets are a little, well, they're definitely overmatched on offense. They've got a good defense. He's a defensive guy. Um, But when you look at Robert Sala and see him on the sideline, would you get into a fight with him? (laughs) James, I I never had a fighting career. Um, I got in in one fight when I was in third grade. Uh, I won that one. Um, Got in a group fight in college, and we got our asses kicked. Not going to lie. The brown liquor did not do us well in that confrontation. <laughs> um, despite what people say about liquid courage, I wouldn't buy it, uh, at least at our stage of the <laughs> the brown liquor days uh, at the Cuse. Um, I, I wouldn't know. I, w- I wouldn't fight him. I know I'm, I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a make love, not fight kind of guy. So there's no way. I mean, as much as we like to talk trash towards opposing fans at Highmark Stadium and boy, we had some good conversations on Sunday night with the Packers faithful. <laughs> Good There's no way I'm going up and, ch- and challenging Robert Sala. No way. <laughs> he looks like, oh my God. He he looks like he could break you in half, doesn't he? <laughs> oh my God. And I'm six foot three, two fifty plus. I mean he would Oof. he would probably break me over his leg like Bo Jackson snapping a bat in half and come <laughs> back for more. I mean I want nothing to do with that. No way. But he's built a really good defense. I will give him a lot of credit Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey. Instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's going to be fun to watch. And you know what? Here, here's my question for you, Jamie, as we transition on Bill Leave from breaking down the Jets' offense to their defense. It has been a long time since Buffalo and the Jets 
had a rivalry with anything on the line. I'm kind of excited to see where this Jets team goes because I the Dolphins, I, I can't stand. I The Patriots, yeah. they're coached by the devil incarnate in, in Bill <laughs> Belichick. I kind of want to see the Jets-Bills get this rivalry going again, leading off with this, what should be a dynamic matchup between Sauce Gardner and Stefan Diggs. How's that for a segue? Oh my God, I, I'm so glad you brought that up because that is what I'm looking forward to. More than anything in this game is seeing those two locked up together because by all accounts, Sauce has been phenomenal. People are saying, you know, the talking heads out there are already saying that he's a top five cornerback in the league. Well, this is why you watch football, right? You want their best to match up against our best. Stefan Diggs is one of the best in the NFL I want to see how he acquits himself and how Sauce acquits himself. It should be a great matchup. I feel like both of them are going to get some wins. And it's the game within the game that I absolutely love. And what is going to make that possible? Well, hopefully the Bills offensive line can hold up against a very good defensive line that the Jets have. You look at Carl Lawson, who gets after the quarterback, and Quinnen Williams has been incredible this year, causing all kinds of havoc from defensive tackle, and he's going to be lined up against Rick Bates, who has not been good this season. Yeah, the Bates contract extension has not worked out. So far, I get why the Bills brought back the right guard, um, and, and they gave him a good amount of money to, to be on the right side of the offensive line. This is a, you're right. It's a very, the Jets have a very similar defensive line approach to Buffalo. Wave after wave of deep, physical, bruising linemen who can penetrate and get after the, the running back and get in the backfield. The Jets have the second stingiest run defense at 3.84 yards allowed per rush. They're explosive. They get after it. And and Jamie, the, the Bills offensive line, this is the game where they need to stay on the same level. They need to make sure that there's not gaps in their offensive line that a guy like a Quentin Williams or a Carl Lawson can expose. Think of it like a rubber band. You want your offensive line to be in sync, and you don't want the front of the band to be too far ahead of the guards or the tackles. The Bills need to make sure that they don't get fooled by the slants, twists, and picks that the Jets' defensive line is going to throw at them. Stay on the same level, and the Bills can do some damage and contain the Jets' defense. If they get it bent out of shape, Josh Allen's going to be finding himself scrambling a little bit on Sunday. Absolutely, and the Bills are at their best when they are when they're able to run the ball and keep teams off balance and specifically when you see when, when you see the big man himself Mitch Morris pulling around the outside the bills are able to run the ball and i'm looking forward to seeing their ability to establish that especially if they're able to get Naheem Hines, their new acquisition, into the lineup because he has the speed to hit that edge. So if they're able to do that and get the Jets flowing side to side, they'll have a much better much better chance of protecting Josh Allen on the obvious passing plays. Man, it's scary. what the And we're going to talk about Naheem Hines. I want to put a pin in that for a quick second to give a little uh, kudos to the Jets again on defense. Quinnen Williams leads the league 
in third in pressures on the quarterback with 32. Insane. Sheldon Rankins, who is a huge hulking human being at defensive tackle, he's 10th in the league with pressures on quarterbacks. I mean, these guys know how to get after the quarterback. They don't blitz as much. Um, they're very similar to Buffalo again. They blitz less than 20%. Um, in six of their games, about 8% below league average. So the Jets are getting after the quarterback without bringing outside blitzers, much like Buffalo. This is a tough matchup for the Buffalo Bills offensive line. They know it. They know they're going to be under the microscope. But that's where I think the Jets are going to be in trouble when it comes to the plethora of options on offense. We've always talked about how dangerous the Bills are knowing that it's not just Stephon Diggs, it's not just Gabriel Davis, it's not just Dawson Knox. You bring in an explosive playmaker like Naheem Hines. I know his rushing stats don't pop off the screen, but when you get two dynamic threats out of the backfield in James Cook and in Hines, combined with the consistency of Devin Singletary, the Bills now are a problem for opposing defenses with how much they can do. What are you going to do if the Bills line up and they have Dawson Knox at tight end, you got Davis and Diggs out wide, and you got Singletary and Hines or Cook and Hines and what could be a foreshadowing of the 23 backfield for next year for Buffalo. What poison do you pick? Because how are you going to slow down that offense? Well, that's just it because you've got great athletes on the field now. Throw Isaiah McKenzie out there. We know he struggles with the turf monster, and this is probably a week that we're going to see him trip over his own feet. But (laughs) I digress. (laughs) Um, we, We now are seeing a team that is establishing something that they knew was a problem, which was lacking team speed in Heinz helps balance that offense. Now, team speed is a couple of different things. It's short area quickness and it's long speed as well. So we can say Gabe Davis is fast, but he's not quick. He he gets open downfield despite not having the best 40 time in the world, but... He's not great in the short area quickness. You rarely see anything from his route tree breaking off less than five yards and going across the going across the formation because he's just he's a long strider. Well, Hines is the kind of guy who can shift gears in the drop of a hat, and you could tell that something the Bills were after were exactly it was exactly what he is, and that's why they drafted James Cook. They were hoping that he was a Naheem Hines type. And I think this is the Bills, you know, kind of accepting the fact that Cook may never get to that level, but certainly is not on that level yet this year. And oh, by the way, I posted this on Twitter. The reason they traded for him, he's a great receiver. He can play the slot. He's a good backup change of pace running back. And he's an excellent punt returner. With one trade, the Bills improved three positions on the team, and I love it. It's an excellent point to bring up. The Bills don't have that game-changing punt returner. He can return kicks as well. Naheem Hines, I loved the trade. I know know, Bills fans might have been clamoring for a bigger fish to bring in like an Alvin Kamara uh, or Josh Jacobs, but I love the Hines pick. The fact that you might give up at worst case a fifth-round pick and Zach Moss to get Hines, who's under contract for a couple more years, was an awesome, awesome move by Brandon Bean at the deadline. And I feel like, I think James Cook is going to get there. But right now, 
the Bills need someone who is ready right now, who's ready right now to be that dynamic pass catcher. So let Cook materialize. You saw his flashes with that great 41-yard run and catch against Green Bay. He's got the potential. But Hines is there right now, and he was frustrated, not getting a ton of reps uh, in Indianapolis. Their offense is going nowhere. So Hines comes to Buffalo. It's going to be a dynamic addition. No matter how much he plays, he might not play that much at all. They might have him on the field just to see what he can do you know, for a couple of snaps uh, here and there. But I think it's a great addition to the offense uh, and gives Josh Allen one more talented weapon. And it makes the Bills, again, that much more multifaceted. Who are you going to slow down? Who are you going to take away from the game plan? Jamie, I want to switch gears, keeping it on offense, but I want to talk a little bit about a man who is still uh, the unquestioned leader of this offense. He's still the favorite to win the MVP, but I am really looking forward to seeing the adjustments that Josh Allen makes against this Jets defense. And you might be like, wait a minute, he's MVP front runner. He's the unquestioned leader of this offense. And yet he still has something to prove. Yes, with what he we saw a reversion to reckless rookie year Josh Allen in the second half of that Packers game. And I'm sure a lot of it was oh the, the confidence that the Bills are going to win this game. So let's really rub it in and you know deliver that knockout punch. Afterwards, Josh Allen mentioned how frustrated he was in himself. And in in the past, when he's had those moments of self-realization of what he left on the field and the mistakes he made, he has cleaned up those mistakes better than almost any other quarterback in this league. I am predicting on Sunday, Josh Allen's going to throw three passing touchdowns, 300 yards, zero interceptions. He is going to tighten up all those mistakes that he made in the second half against Green Bay. And it's a great defense for him to do this against because this is not an easy task. This is not like taking on the Seattle Seahawks who give up, you know, 4,000 points per game to their opponent. Maybe a little hyperbole there, but I think Josh Allen's going to come out and just have a phenomenal game plan on Sunday. I, I'm hoping so. And you're right. The thing about Josh Allen that I think I like the best is that he's coachable. He learns from his mistakes, and let's face it, he was bad in the second half uh, against uh, against the Packers. He only passed for his completion percentage was like around fifty. He was half and half for the game. That's that's not good enough. Like we need Josh Allen to be MVP. Josh Allen. Now, at the same time, I think it's great that the team was able to win despite him you know, kind of laying an egg for two quarters of the game. But dude, Josh, how are you throwing those interceptions? Stop that. Like (laughs) something that I absolutely love is the fact that now when we see that sort of quarterbacking, we think something is way off as opposed to the past when we were like, Oh, yeah, this happens because the Bills don't have any good QBs on the roster. Now he throws a bad interception, and you're going, oh, my God, who is this guy? So, you know, <laughs> good problem to have. However, I, I have to say, dude, Josh, be better. Seriously. And, and I think he, I think he will. I think he realizes that, you know, you, you've got to be better with the ball. You can't – you might – you can get away every now and then with one of those throws across your body, across the middle of the field, 
trying to make a play. But more often than not, take the points, you know, don't be risky with it. And and you've got so many, you know, live live to fight another down, you know. I mean, don't be afraid to throw the ball away versus taking a an adverse Seriously. risk that might set your team back. Especially because- when you're ahead in the game. Yeah, and that's the thing. The Bills were up, and that's why I feel like I'm really excited to see what Josh is going to do on Sunday because this is the first bit of adversity that he's had to deal with this year. If you look at it, and it's not you know, much. And the Bills, no, no, no. And we're not we're nitpicking here, but when the team has Super Bowl dreams, it's fun to nitpick. You're allowed to nitpick. You're allowed to pick little <laughs> right. things out there and be like, I'm not happy with this. So I want to see what Josh comes up with, and I want to go. Jamie, real quick before we give our our score predictions, I do want to talk more about Sauce Gardner because he has been a phenomenal rookie coming into the league. He has been just as good as advertised. Um, He leads the league in pass breakups with 12. And I believe I read somewhere that the average um, pass completion against him goes for like 6.8 yards per catch. And he's surrendering like 31 yards receiving per game to the receivers. In other words, he is a lockdown number one corner in just his first eight games in the league. We know that Stefan Diggs loves a challenge and him and Jair Alexander were going at it like crazy last week against the Packers Bills game. Um, What do you think? What do you see is going to happen when it comes to Diggs versus Gardner and uh, and who's going to get the upper hand? I think it's I, I think it's tough to say, um, but being that it's a team game and we don't know that they're going to be matched up on every play and we don't know what the Bills' offensive plan is, you know, Diggs loves to get his, but he also is not a selfish player. And as long as the Bills are winning, he doesn't seem to doesn't really seem to care. So if he can be a decoy to pull Gardner away from guys like Gabe Davis, Khalil Shakir, and others, he's going to be perfectly happy to be a decoy out there. But I still think you're going to see six receptions for at least 80 yards from Diggs because you gotta you gotta feed the beast once in a while, right? So keep the boy happy. Six receptions, 85 yards, and a touchdown. Oh, yeah, he's going to find the end zone again. I feel very confident that Diggs is going to score another touchdown. Um, it's going to be a great matchup. And you're right, they're not going to have Gardner on Diggs every single play. But more than not, you're going to see, I feel like, Gardner and Diggs going you know, fairly uh, consistently at each other to see who's going to have the upper hand. It's a foreshadowing of things to come when it comes to this matchup of the Bills and Jets renewing their AFC East rivalry. Jamie, it's hard to believe the Bills are six and one on the year and have only played one divisional game. This will be the second one as Buffalo travels again to MetLife stadium, taking on the jets on Sunday afternoon in week nine, the jets are double digit underdogs against the Buffalo bills. And the last I looked going to punch it up here real quick to give our fans the most accurate information. The bills are currently listed as an 11 and a half point favorite which is not that far off from what they closed against the Packers uh, on Sunday. Hard to believe you would say that Aaron Rodgers and Zach Wilson would be equitable when it comes to deficits they would face when taking on this Buffalo Bills team. Put on your prognosticator hat, Jamie. What do you see happening on Sunday, and what's your score prediction bound to go wrong? Interestingly, the Bills are the only division leader that has not beaten 
a team in their division yet this year. Interesting stat, right? You know, that is the, the, the Bills have not they're their own one in the AFC East, but yet they have a two game lead in the race for the number one seed because they've beaten every other division leader in the AFC, including the Chiefs. Continue. So I think that the Bills are not going to run away with this one because the Jets have a good defense. But it's not going to be close because the Jets don't have a good offense. So I see this being a 28-13 score. Buffalo. 28-13. Jamie has the Buffalo Bills covering the spread uh, for those that are interested in, in picking up their seventh win of the year. I think, Jamie, this game has the potential to get ugly. Um, oh. I Zach Wilson throwing a pick six. Uh, I could see Josh Allen. I've already said Josh Allen's throwing for three touchdowns. So the Bills are at least scoring 21 points. And I think they're going to get a pick six on defense. I'm going to say Buffalo wins 34 to 15 uh, in a game that might be, you know, and maybe it's a little close in the first quarter, but the Bills are going to pull away. I'll say 34 to 15. Josh Allen has a get right game, three touchdown passes, over 300 yards. The Bills debut their brand new three-headed monster at running back, and uh, they get after Zach Wilson quite a bit to go to seven and one on the year, setting up a, a huge, huge showdown next week with the Minnesota Vikings at Highmark Stadium. We will have you covered for everything you need to know for that matchup. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our thoughts on the Jets-Bills clash coming up on Sunday. Please get involved with us on social media. I am at John Boccasino on Twitter. Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico. You can also comment on our articles on buffalorumblings.com when that drops on Sunday. Jamie, thanks for the time, buddy. Good insights and great to talk to you. Dude, I can't wait to come out on the other side of this thing and talk about the big matchup against Minnesota next week. Let's bring it. You can always come back to Bill Lee for all your thoughts on the Buffalo Bills. We again welcome your feedback. We thank you for listening, and we hope you have a great weekend. Go Bills! 